Our scripture passage today is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 43 to 45. Let's read these words together. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of the heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of an evil treasure, produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Praise God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. My name is John Vick. I'm one of the campus pastors at One Church, which meets on Friday nights in the chapel. Uh, And I wanted to start this morning by celebrating two different accomplishments. The first accomplishment, we made it to the end of the school year. Congratulations! I know we're all excited about that, and, uh, and we celebrate that together this morning. Uh, the second celebration, the second accomplishment, uh, is very similar. We survived the first couple days of summer. I know if you have young ones at the home, you know, this may be a very crazy time for you, but, but uh, we survived the first couple days of summer, so I'm so thankful for that. Well, right now, I want to ask... A question, and it's probably kind of a weird question. You've you've maybe never been asked this question before, but but here it is: Do you have a favorite word? Do you have a favorite word? Maybe it's a word that you have special memories connected to, and and every time you hear that word, you know it just brings back these sentimental moments. It's it's kind of like those smells. You know, we can smell something, and it just brings back childhood memories. Maybe maybe your favorite word is connected to you know these special childhood memories, or or maybe your favorite word is a word that just means a lot to you. You know, it's just a very powerful word, a, a word like love. A word like family, a word like redemption, you know, these words that are kind of hard to just nail down one definition for. Or maybe your word, your favorite word is just a word that's plain fun to say, a word like onomatopoeia, right? That's kind of fun to say. And so maybe your favorite word is just a word that's fun to say. Uh, Well, I'm probably kind of weird, but I have a list of favorite words of mine. Uh, I love the word refreshment. Right? I, I love just this thought of God's love refreshing me and, and having fellowship with you all, and just that kind of refreshing my soul. I, I love the word refreshment. I love the word zeal. Zeal is another one of my favorite words. It's kind of one of those words that is fun to say, you know, like onomatopoeia. You don't hear that word very much. It's kind of a unique word. And, and I really just love having this idea, this thought of having a passionate, burning love for Jesus within me, you know, just having this zeal for our Lord. I love the word revival, uh, and I often find myself praying for revival in my own heart and for revival to break out across the world, that, that we would ultimately see masses of people coming to know Jesus, and we would celebrate that. I, I love the word revival. Uh, maybe my favorite word of all time is, is the word thrive. Right? I, I just love this idea, this thought of growing vigorously in Jesus Christ and, and bearing good fruit for the kingdom of God. Right, So I love the word thrive, and many of my emails that I send out actually end with the phrase thrive in Christ. So, so that's a list of my favorite words, but today we're going to be talking about another one of my favorite words, and it's the word overflow. Overflow, and so many times whenever we talk about overflow, it gets used in a negative context. Right, We don't normally use the word overflow in a positive context. Uh, maybe whenever we hear overflow, we think of things like this. Yep. I, uh, I'm sure we've all been there before, right? You, you flush, and the water goes up instead of down, 
right? The direction you do not want it to go. So, so maybe that's what you think of whenever you think of overflow. Or maybe whenever you think of overflow, you think of this noise right here. I'm sure we've all been there as well. Sound asleep in the middle of the night. All is good. All is calm. We're having a good night's rest. And then that monstrosity goes off and, you know, our hearts are beating and we're looking around the room and, you know, we're up and at and we're awakened in, in such a violent way. And, and there's no going back to sleep after that, right? And normally those are like flash flood warnings or something along those lines. So maybe that's what you think of whenever you think of overflow. Maybe whenever you think of overflow, you think of just this week where we saw a lot of pictures like that. That's uh, right here in Deer Creek, super close to the church. And, and we see pictures like that, and we think of overflow. So, so many times we, we think of, you know, overflowing toilets and flash flood warnings in the middle of the night and, and flooded roads whenever we think of overflow. But today we're going to be talking about overflow in a positive context. Because in our faith journeys, in our relationship with the Lord, overflow is essential Overflow is so vitally important to the way that we live our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus. Let's look just at this passage today in the book of Luke. In that passage, Jesus makes it very clear that a tree is known by its fruit. So if you're gathering grapes, well, then you're at a grapevine. And if you're gathering figs, guess what? You're at a fig tree. You know, it's not that complicated. It's kind of straightforward. A tree is known by its fruit. And in the same way, Jesus says, the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of the heart produces evil. So right here, Jesus is making this direct connection from our actions to our hearts. Right, This direct connection from our actions to our hearts, that, that ultimately the words that we say, the way that we treat others, our lifestyle, that is not a lifestyle issue, that is a heart issue. Right, All that we do, these words that we say, the way that we interact with people, that's an overflow of our heart. It's coming out of the abundance of the heart. And so Jesus ends this awesome teaching in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6 by saying this. He says, for it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Uh, some translations use the word overflow instead of abundance, which I like a little bit more. You know, it's out of the, the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. But, but here again, we read that our outward actions aren't separated from our inward affections. And I want to say that again because I think that's really important for us to know today living in 2019, that our outward actions aren't separated from our inward affections. What we love, what we desire, what we seek after, what we treasure in our hearts, ultimately that is going to flow out of our lives, out of our hearts into everything that we do, and that will be made evident by the fruit of our lives by the way that we live our lives. Uh, last year, I was invited to this uh, preaching conference, and it was for a couple of days, but it happened to be during the school semester, and I had to kind of balance my classes at the same time. So I wasn't able to, to be there for most of it. I was only able to attend about an hour or so. But, but the short hour I was at that preaching conference, uh, there was this older gentleman, and he said something that has stuck with me since then, and it has greatly affected the way I view Christian living. Uh, this older gentleman, he was teaching and speaking about what good preaching looks like. And he said this sentence right here. He said, good preaching is an overflow. Good preaching is an overflow. And, and what he meant is that preaching isn't going up to the pulpit and, and going on and on about some lifeless subject, you know, something you have no passion about, something you have no connection to. No, good preaching, good sermons are the result of, of the love of God and the love of neighbor and the love of Scripture just kind of accumulating, overflowing into sermons and into preaching. 
And of course, I didn't come up here uh, this morning to talk about good preaching. I, I, I share that story. I, I share that, that statement that good preaching is an overflow because I believe it applies to so much more than just preaching. I believe it applies to so much more than just preaching. Of course, I believe that, that good preaching is an overflow, and I hope that this sermon today is an overflow. But, but even more, I believe that good, fruitful ministry is an overflow. Right, And we're all called to bear this good, this fruitful ministry. We are all called to be bearers of fruit. And fruitful ministry is always connected to a filled heart. A heart filled with the words of Christ. A heart filled with the love of God. A heart filled with the love of neighbor. Yes, fruitful ministry is connected to a filled heart. So let's talk about what fruitfulness looks like and what this fruit is that we're talking about. Just so we're all on the same page, uh, we aren't talking about that kind of fruit. You know, those are bananas and apples and oranges. Uh, That's literal fruit. But in the Bible, in both the Old and New Testament, we read about the metaphor of fruit, right? Metaphorically uh, speaking, we we read about fruit. And and often fruit is being referred to as as what's being produced or, or the result of something, and so Paul would definitely pick up later on this in the New Testament, and he would use phrases like fruit of the kingdom or fruit of light. Uh, but probably the most famous reference in all of Scripture to fruit is found none other than in Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23, where we read about the fruit of the Spirit, where we read about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And my friends, the fruit of the Spirit overflow. From a life filled with the Spirit. Right? Whenever one has the Holy Spirit living within them, the fruits of the Spirit, that's not just a list of some possibilities. That's just not a list of things that may possibly arise and and spring up in our lives. No, these fruits flow from our lives because the Holy Spirit of God is living and breathing within us. The fruit of the Spirit overflow from a life filled with the Spirit. So right now I'd like to share this really beautiful truth about overflow. And and here it is. Living in the overflow fights burnout. Living in the overflow fights burnout. And burnout is one of those phrases we really don't like to think about in the church today. We really don't like to talk about it, but, but it's become all too of a reality for so many of us today. It's one of those things that we have to guard ourselves against. It's one of those things that we have to caution ourselves against as Christ followers. Because every Christian, every church member can face the danger of burnout. Of getting tired and, and worn out and frustrated and just giving up altogether. Of just going through the motions. Of just being here, but, but not really being here, you know. And the reason overflow prevents burnout is because ministry becomes less of a forced action and more of a grace-filled response, right? A grace-filled response to God's goodness, to God's loving kindness. See, overflow gets rid of this forceful, ungraceful attitude of ministry whenever ministry becomes, well, I have to do this. And then after that, I have to do this. And then I have to put on a fake smile and I have to pretend that I like my neighbor today. No, whenever we have this overflow aspect of ministry, it gets rid of that forceful nature. It gets rid of that ungraceful attitude, right? Whenever we lose the overflow in ministry, whenever we take that out of the picture, ministry becomes the opposite of what God intended it to be, to be life-giving, to be fulfilling, to be honoring to God. I think it's in that state of ministry, whenever we, we lose the overflow, that our ministry kind of looks like this. 
How many of you all have young children with that toy, or you've seen that toy before? And this is probably the most simple toy of all time, right? If you have a circle, you fit it in the circle shape. Or if you have the triangle, you you fit it in the triangle. It's very, very simple. But again, I think whenever we lose the overflow aspect of ministry, we kind of look like, you know, the kids trying to fit the triangle into the circle shape or the square into the heart shape. You know, no matter how hard we try, no matter how forceful we try to become, we're just going to end up frustrating ourselves. We're just going to end up tired and worn out and ready to give up. And so again, I, I think that that's what ministry looks like whenever we get rid of the overflow. But again, as we shared earlier, on the flip side, good ministry, fruitful ministry comes from an overflow. Overflow, it eliminates this forceful aspect of Christian living. Again, instead of trying to force things that don't belong, it just arises out of a heart so filled with the love of God. And we enter into this rhythm with God, this holy rhythm with God, and and we're co-laboring with God to do this good, fruitful ministry. Amen. So, uh, so let's talk about what we are to be filling our hearts with. Uh, first off, let's talk about filling our hearts with the word of Christ. And I think this is so relevant to the life of Acts 2 today, just because we finished a four-part sermon series about the voice, right? About hearing the word of God in a noisy world, about hearing the words of Christ every single day. So, so filling our hearts with the word of Christ is so very important. In fact, immediately following the passage we were in in, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who, and let's read these words together, comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. See, Jesus is saying that we shouldn't just hear his words. We shouldn't just hear his words and let them bounce off our hearts, reflect off our hearts. No, he is saying that we should hear his words and treasure his words. And whenever we do that, obedience is going to flow. Obedience is going to overflow out of our hearts. Friends, obedience flows from a heart filled with God's word. Obedience flows from a heart filled with God's word. And and something I really like about our passage today in Luke chapter 6 is that Jesus uses the word treasure to talk about what's in our hearts treasure. And that kind of makes the stakes a little higher, right? That kind of makes things a little more serious. Treasure that we shouldn't take lightly what we fill our hearts with because it will end up overflowing in our lives. Ultimately, that's what we treasure. What we treasure, what we fill up our hearts with, ultimately that's going to come flowing out of our lives, into our words, into our actions, into our interactions with other people. A tree is known by its fruit. So let's treasure the word of Christ each and every single day. Let's treasure God's word together in our hearts. I I love what Psalms 119 says. The psalmist says this, I treasure your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Beautiful. And and we actually see something similar in the New Testament in the book of Colossians. Paul writes in verse uh, 16 of chapter 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. I love that verse. I think it's so beautiful. And what I really love about it is how it connects a filled heart to a teaching and a singing heart. Right? A heart filled with the word of Christ overflows and teaches others. A heart filled with the word of Christ overflows with songs of thanksgiving and praise. It, it results in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God as we read in that text. So it's so vitally important for us to fill our hearts with the, with the word of Christ. But, but I think even more importantly, we are to fill our hearts with the love of God. Let's go what Romans 5.5 5 says. Hope does not disappoint us. 
Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And this is probably one of the most important parts of any sermon I could ever preach because this is what it all comes down to. It comes down to loving God who first loved us. It comes down to loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind. It comes down to that right there, to having uh, our hearts be filled with the love of God through the Holy Spirit. And whenever our hearts are filled with that love, that love of God, and and that overflows, well, then we can't help but be 100% authentic. There's nothing false. There's nothing phony. There's nothing fake about us because our actions, our praise, our worship, all that we do is simply an overflow of what we're treasuring in our hearts, the word of Christ and the love of God. And all throughout Scripture... All throughout the Bible, we read of different people whose hearts were just overflowing with this love for God. And really, it's my hope that through reading the Bible and through reading uh, about these people in Scripture, that that our hearts would look like their hearts, that that we too would be overflowing with the love of God. So we're going to look at two different examples today in Scripture. The first one is Jeremiah the prophet. Uh, Jeremiah the prophet is one of my favorite people in all of Scripture. I love reading the the book of Jeremiah. It's just an amazing, amazing book. And, And Jeremiah, he was this prophet in Judah. And at the time that Jeremiah lived in Judah, uh, Judah was going through a very, very difficult time. It was a very tumultuous time for Judah. It was not a fun and prosperous time by any means for good and faithful prophets like Jeremiah. In fact, sin and evil and wickedness actually ran wild in Judah, and it was just a a very bad time indeed. People were hurting, and people were being oppressed, and people who were sick weren't being taken care of, and God's laws were just continually being broken. Again, it was not a good time for Judah, and it was not a good time for Jeremiah. But one of my favorite parts of Jeremiah, probably why I like the book so much, is because in the book of Jeremiah, this book filled with people rebelling against God, God's steadfast love is front and center on every single page. No matter how much these people rebelled, no matter how much they turned against God, God's steadfast love for them is front and center. And God would continually send these messages of hope, these messages of restoration to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. Again, these messages offering hope, offering restoration and healing if these people returned to God. And I really wish I could come up here this morning and say that's exactly what happened in the book of Jeremiah. That that the people of God heard the messages of God and turned from their sins and returned to God. But but that's not what happened. No, in fact, the book of Jeremiah tells the story of, of the people of God continually rejecting God's way. Continually rejecting God's path of life. And so God is very clear in the book of Jeremiah, and God basically sends a message to the people of Judah saying, if you don't repent and if you don't return to me, you are going to be sent into exile. And of course, Jeremiah is the prophet, the person that God calls to deliver that message. So let's stop for a second and let's think for a second. Uh, Do you think the, the people of Judah liked hearing that message? Do you think they liked Jeremiah going up to them and saying, hey, if you don't turn from your sin and return to God, you are going to be sent into exile. Do you think they liked hearing that? No, they hated it and they persecuted Jeremiah and they punished Jeremiah and they made Jeremiah's life as difficult, as miserable as possible. And Jeremiah goes through all this. He goes through such pain, such heartbreak. He weeps so many uh, tears for his people. He's known as the weeping prophet. Here's an artist's portrayal of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Jeremiah says in chapter 9, Oh, that my head were a spring of water, and my eyes a fountain of tears, 
so that I might weep day and night for the slain of my poor people. See, Jeremiah's life didn't become easier after obeying God. Jeremiah's life became more difficult. And in his relationship with God and in Jeremiah's conversations with God, Jeremiah was brutally honest. I love chapter 20 of the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah says to God, Oh Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, uh, I must cry out, I must shout violence and destruction, for the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. See, there you can read his heartbreak, his agony, him struggling with what God was calling him to share. But I love the next verse. Jeremiah says, if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, then within me there is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Even though it cost him so much, even though he went through such pain, so many difficult nights, he couldn't help but overflow. And whenever he tried to stop, Whenever he tried to put a cap on the overflow, he said that there was something like a burning fire within his bones and and that it was impossible for him to hold it in. And so, my friends, I hope today that the story of Jeremiah is a reminder that within our own hearts today, we have the words of Christ. We have the love of God. And like Jeremiah, I hope that there would be a weariness that would come upon us if we think about trying to, to hold in all of these treasures that God has given us and that we are, are storing in our hearts. I hope that we would experience that same fire, a similar fire, uh, making us weary of holding it in, a fire that we can't contain, a fire that we can't control. So, so that was the first example, the example of, of Jeremiah the prophet in the Old Testament. But, but let's flash forward to about 600 years later uh, to the New Testament in the book of Acts. Uh, this is a very exciting time for the early church. Uh, Jesus had just ascended into heaven. Uh, a side note really quickly, next Sunday is Ascension Sunday, the day that the church universal remembers Christ's ascension to the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. So in the sermon next Sunday, that's what we're going to be talking about, and uh, it's going to be great, Ascension Sunday. Uh, anyway, so in the book of Acts, it's a very exciting time. Jesus you know, ascended into heaven. In Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit came down, filled the early church, and the church is just exploding with growth. They're seeing so many people every single day coming to know Christ. The gospel was being spread. The kingdom of God was spreading all throughout the world. But, but the early believers were met with such resistance. Uh, they found such opposition. Uh, there was so much persecution involved. And, and in Acts chapter 4, the apostles Peter and John are brought before this religious council. And, and this council is composed of just the most elite religious leaders of the day. And, and right before this, Peter and John had been out proclaiming the good news, preaching the gospel. They saw a person get healed. It was a very exciting time. But, but with all of that happening... They were causing some noise, right? They were flipping the world upside down a little bit. And so this council, this religious council called the Sanhedrin, was trying to silence them, was trying to stop them. And and so in Acts chapter 4, we read what the council was kind of saying to themselves and, and speaking among themselves. They said this, What will we do with them? What will we do with Peter and John? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. 
all right, these people, uh, this council that had the power to put Peter and John to, to death just by the words of their mouth, they commanded them to stop teaching and speaking about Jesus. Let's look at their response, Peter and John's response in the next two verses. Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. Here again, like Jeremiah, these two people who were surrounded with great opposition, these two people who were surrounded with great persecution, they couldn't hold in the overflow. There was something like a fire shut up in their bones, making it weary for them to hold it in. And so I think that, that from those two stories, we can learn that overflow can occur in the driest surroundings. Overflow can occur in the driest situations. In the most unlikely deserts, we too can have rivers of living water flowing out of our hearts. And what's so beautiful is that overflow wasn't just for Jeremiah. Overflow wasn't just for Peter and John. You and I can experience the same overflow. Whenever our hearts are so filled with the words of Christ, whenever our hearts are so filled with the love of God and the love of neighbor. Uh, up on the screen is going to be a picture. Uh, that's myself and my younger brother, uh, Josh. And, and I'm so proud of Josh. He's about to be a senior uh, in high school. And, and again, I'm just beyond proud of him. He's so gifted whenever it comes to uh, his academics. He loves math and science. He's a very talented baseball player. He's actually the pitcher on his baseball team. And he pitches these shutout games all the time. I'm just, again, beyond proud of him. And, and above all, I'm proud of his love for Jesus. And I'm so thankful for his love for the Lord. But whenever someone asks me if I have any siblings, um, it's so easy for me to talk about Josh, right? It's not forced. It's not a strain. It's a joy because I, I love Josh and, and I love the relationship that we have. And, and whenever someone asks me about my brother, it, it's very easy. It's very natural for me to share about him because, again, it's not forced. It's not a strain. It's just coming from the overflow, the overflow of the heart. And in the same way, I think us telling about Jesus and about his great love for us is an overflow. An overflow of the love he has for us, an overflow of the love we have for him. And all again, that, that just overflows into to good, fruitful ministry. So this week, let's consider these our action steps. The first action step is this. Read Psalm 119 this week. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of the scripture. I think it, it has almost 200 verses in it. I think it's like in the 170s. Uh, but it's a very long passage of scripture, so you might have to divide it up a little bit. But really what Psalm 119 is, is just the psalmist overflowing, right? And he's overflowing with these words, just writing about how much he loves God and, and how much he loves the words of God. So, so if you want a great example of overflow in scripture, Psalms, Psalm 119 is the place to go. So, so that's the first action step. The second one is this. Let's Monitor what is going into our hearts this week. Monitor what is going into your heart this week. Uh, we can call this action step a, a spiritual heart monitor, right? Because ultimately, if our words and our actions are an overflow of the heart, I think it's important that we would prayerfully monitor what's going on in our hearts. And so today I'd like to end uh, this sermon by looking at a scripture from Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23 in the New Revised Standard Version, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance." For from it flow the springs of life. I think that's so powerful, but I think I like the messages translation a little bit more of that verse. It says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Friends, this is where life starts. 
Life starts right here in the heart, and all that we do, all of our life just flows from our hearts. Our, our words, our actions, everything, all just an overflow of the treasure found within our hearts. So may our hearts be so filled with the word of Christ and the love of God, the greatest treasures of all. Let us pray. God, your love is so good. Thank you for loving us with an eternal, everlasting, steadfast love. And God, how nothing we could do could ever change your love for us. I pray that each day our hearts would just be so filled with your love. And that God, all of our words, all of our actions, everything we do would just be an overflow of that love. God, we thank you for the scriptures and we pray also that we would hide uh, the scriptures in our hearts so that we may not sin against you, that we may honor you with all that we do. And Jesus, thank you for showing us the greatest form of love by, by laying down your life for us, your friends. And so Jesus, we pray this prayer in your name and we pray this prayer that, that you taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Praise God.